It's Thursday, March 5th, and 172 days separate us from the Republican National Convention in Charlotte. From WFAE, Charlotte's NPR News Source, I'm Lisa Worf. And I'm Steve Harrison. And this is Inside Politics, the RNC in Charlotte. Now on the other side of Super Tuesday and former Vice President Joe Biden just scored a big win in North Carolina and nine other states. There wasn't as much attention to the Republican ballot, of course, but the president did win 94 percent of the vote. And President Trump was in Charlotte on Monday night for a MAGA rally at Bojangles Coliseum. I guess now it's technically a keep America great again rally. Does CAGA work? Yes, CAGA works. (laughs) Eight months from now, we're going to defeat the radical socialists. We're going to win the great state of North Carolina in a landslide. We won it last time. We're going to win it this time by even more. I think it's important to note how much enthusiasm there was inside the arena. It was so much louder than the last time the president was there for the 2018 midterms. The president spoke at 7, and if you weren't in line by 2.30 or so, then you weren't getting in. So thousands of people watched the rally outside on a big screen TV. Having said that, we are going to pivot now and look back at a time when the president's support among Republicans wasn't almost completely universal. And when the delegates gather for the RNC, here's something you likely won't hear. I cannot vote for Donald Trump either for the nomination or in November. That's because so far only one delegate has been pledged to someone other than Donald Trump. But in 2016, this statement by North Carolina delegate Bob Orr had him booted from the Republican National Convention. And now he thinks it's important to have some sort of protest during the RNC in Charlotte, maybe a shadow convention. Orr's story highlights the changes in the Republican Party from 2016 to 2020, and it drives home the purpose of political conventions, at least these days. They're not about convening to hash out party differences and choosing a nominee. They're elaborate TV shows and party leaders, both Republicans and Democrats, don't want any dissent. And in 2016, Orr was a dissenter. Most of the Republican Party has gotten on board with the president, but Orr counts himself among a dwindling group of never-Trumpers. Steve, you spent an afternoon with him, so take it away from here. So Orr served on the North Carolina Supreme Court for 10 years, Ran for governor in 2008, but lost in the Republican primary to Pat McCrory. I tell folks my first presidential ballot was for Richard Nixon. I voted for every Republican running for president up till Trump. I hung with Nixon till the end on Watergate. Today he's retired, but teaches a weekly class on the North Carolina Constitution at the UNC School of Law in Chapel Hill, where he graduated in the early 1970s. I think in the context of of the water case, because it was proprietary. Orr was stunned in the summer of 2015 when Trump began his rise. Trumpism is a phenomena that I'm still struggling to explain. Orr says he noticed the party was moving to the right during his run for governor 12 years ago, and then again with the Tea Party movement in 2010. And during the primaries, Orr was appalled mostly by the president's character. And when Trump first came on the scene, he was convinced he was going to flame out after he insulted John McCain in the summer of 2015. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you. To me, it was so over the top. Um, 
in disrespecting not just Senator McCain, but the service of all the people who've served in the military and suffered and, and the like, and there were no consequences to it. I think at that point I said, you know, this is insane. You know, this should have completely ended any chance this man has of holding any elective office. And that, of course, didn't happen. So, Steve, how did Orr end up in Cleveland at the Republican National Convention? He was the North Carolina co-chair for John Kasich, the former Ohio governor, and one of nine Kasich delegates. The state Republican Party picked those delegates that summer at their annual meeting, and the GOP was supposed to pick people who had previously pledged support for Kasich. Now, North Carolina's primary was in mid-March. Ted Cruz held on until May 3rd amid lots of talk of a contested convention. Kasich dropped out the next day on May 4th, making him technically the last man standing. And Trump ended up securing the more than 1,237 delegates needed to win the nomination on the first try. Donald Trump's coronation as the GOP presidential nominee officially gets underway today in Cleveland. Orr said he went to the 2016 Republican National Convention in Cleveland, thinking there might be some sort of never-Trump movement to deny him the nomination. He thought there might be a combination of Kasich, Rubio, and Cruz delegates, along with establishment Republicans, who might band together to deny Trump the nomination. And there was an attempt. A group of delegates attempted to force a roll call vote to change convention rules in an effort to release some of Trump's delegates so they could vote for other candidates. And for a few minutes, the convention floor was a pretty contentious place. The question is on adoption of the resolution. All those in favor say aye. All those opposed, no. In the opinion of the chair, the ayes have it, and the resolution is agreed to. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. It didn't work out. Once I got there, it was like, this train is running, and, you know, if you're on the tracks, you're going to get run over. And on the first day of the convention, he agrees to give an interview with Cullen Browder of station WRAL in Raleigh. And that's where the trouble starts. As for one North Carolina delegate, though, he says it doesn't matter. He can't support Trump. I cannot vote for Donald Trump either for the nomination or in November. Tell me why. I think he's singularly unqualified to to lead this country. North Carolina delegate Bob Orr, who supports Ohio Governor John Kasich. That caught the attention of the state's top Republicans, who acted swiftly. As soon as that aired back in North Carolina, the credentials got pulled. All right, so tell me about this. So that airs, uh, this is probably the convention. It's Monday. This Monday. Monday. Yeah. It starts on Monday. Yeah. It airs Monday night. Yeah. So walk me through this, the credential being pulled. You're on the floor. You go back to the hotel. What happens? Well, I go back. I'm checking emails. And, you know, here's an email. I think it was from Dallas Woodhouse saying, um, your credentials are being held. You need to talk to the chairman. Here's his phone number. Robin, Robin Hayes. Hayes. Yeah. Let's pause for a second and catch everyone up. Robin Hayes is a former congressman and in 2016 was chair of the state Republican Party. And two years later, he was caught up in the FBI's investigation of Durham businessman Greg Lindbergh, whose trial concluded this week in federal court in Charlotte. Lindbergh is accused of trying to bribe the state insurance commissioner, and Hayes was allegedly part of the scheme. He's pleaded guilty last fall to lying to the FBI and hasn't been sentenced yet. 
And what's interesting is in that same WRAL news story, Browder also interviews Robin Hayes. And Hayes says it's okay for delegates to have a difference of opinion. No big deal, he says. Were you surprised? Not at all. This Tell me is something that we encourage Republicans to have a voice, stand up for what they believe. We have a number of people who are very strong supporters for other candidates. But Hayes took action. It was pretty clear that I wasn't going to get the credentials back if I didn't make some sort of 180 and say that, well, you know, I'll, I'll support Trump. You're a delegate. I mean, weren't you entitled to your credentials? How did that work? Oh, I'm sure I was entitled to them. The $64 question was, well, how am I going to get them in this atmosphere? You know, unless I do what they want me to do. It should be noted that Orr, as a Kasich delegate, would be expected to vote for Kasich on the first ballot. And Orr says he wasn't aware of any rules that delegates had to support the eventual nominee. Yeah, and Orr wasn't completely alone. There were North Carolina Cruz delegates who also got sideways with Robin Hayes. The problem started when Cruz said this. Stand and speak and vote your conscience. Vote for candidates up and down the ticket who you trust to defend our freedom and to be faithful to the Constitution. The New York delegation leading the charge against Cruz with boos and chants of, we want Trump. There were the, the two Cruz delegates who had flown up on the plane with Robin Hayes and then were asked what they thought of Cruz's comments, which were not complimentary of Trump. I don't know they yeah. yeah, yeah. And they said, no, we agreed with him. And Hayes made them, told them, well, they'll have to find other transportation back to North Carolina because you're not flying back on my plane. We should say that this is the Republicans' convention. It's their party. They make the rules. But that being said, Orr says the decision to throw him out was wrong and dangerous. The scariest part is the mindset that you better be with us or you're out. I mean, there is no room for legitimate dissent. And we've seen, I mean, not just, you know, my small incident at the convention, but the way the Senate and other elected officials have just completely folded and gone along in so many different ways with things that I know they know are wrong, but it's this, if you're not 100% with us, you're 100% against us, which is terrible government. It's dangerous to the party, dangerous for the Democrats. Same thing. Today, Orr says he doesn't really have any contact with the leaders in the GOP other than when they try and get him to unregister as a Republican. The final nail in the coffin was Orr endorsing Democrat Dan McCready two years ago in the 9th District congressional race. And that gets us to the 2020 Republican National Convention and Orr's plan for a shadow convention. More on that after this short break. Today's podcast was made possible by listeners like you. If you're enjoying today's episode and learning something new from Inside Politics, the RNC in Charlotte, make sure to give this podcast a rating and review in your favorite podcast app. And if you want to support the podcast even further, become a member of WFAE with a donation of any amount, $5, $10, $15, you name it. Just hit the donate button on WFAE.org slash Inside Politics.
Okay, Steve, let's come back to 2020. Orr is probably the state's most prominent never-Trumper. And he's been talking about trying to have some sort of shadow convention of other Republicans during the RNC. I think it's important. What I have to do is, is find those people with a national presence who are willing to say, yeah, we're going to invest some time and money so that the world knows Trumpism isn't what we believe in. But it's unclear if this so-called shadow convention will work. Some of the state's establishment Republicans aren't ready to sign on, like former Charlotte Mayor Richard Venroot. He told me earlier this week that Trump isn't his favorite, but no, he would not attend any kind of protest. You really are homeless politically, and so therefore it becomes difficult to kind of pull together the the financial resources, the logistical resources that say, okay, we're going to have a thousand anti-Trump Republicans from across the country show up in the vicinity of Charlotte. And even if it's just one or two of us standing up, I mean, you got to do it. I mean, I, I I just think it's that important. But or maybe getting some help from Washington, D.C. I talked with Evan McMullen of the group Stand Up Republic. McMullen is a former CIA officer who ran as a third-party candidate in 2016 and got more than 20% of the vote in his home state of Utah. He told me this week that he's been in touch with Orr and that his group is on board and that they're looking into having some sort of secondary convention in Charlotte during the RNC. Thinking back to the 2016 convention, there were a lot of prominent Republicans who didn't attend. Senators and representatives, you had that attempt to block Trump as a nominee. This time around, pretty much everyone's on board. Yeah, but I did ask Orr one final question about Charlotte's hosting the RNC. Did the city council make the right call in hosting? No, I think they made the wrong call. I think it will ultimately not serve the city of Charlotte and the state of North Carolina well to to have the RNC convention there in 2020. It's sort of like the bathroom bill. It's a deal where other than the Trumpers are going to see Charlotte and Trump inextricably linked together. I mean, is that really the message that we want broadcast from Charlotte, North Carolina to the world over the course of three or four days? And it will be vitriolic. I mean, that's his modus operandi. And while they'll try and orchestrate it with the various speakers His is a message of meanness and division and vitriol and vindictiveness after the impeachment. And that's the wrong message for the state. It's the wrong message for the country. It's the wrong message to the world. I think that's going to be really interesting to see how the national and international media portray the city. Will they cast Charlotte as a conflicted host? Will we be seen as a conservative bastion, even though the city is really democratic? Or will whatever happens at the convention not be tied to the city at all? That was Steve Harrison helping us navigate the road to the RNC as political reporter for WFAE. Thanks, Steve. Happy to help, Lisa. That concludes today's episode of Inside Politics, the RNC in Charlotte. Listen to the podcast every other Thursday and make sure to subscribe to Inside Politics, the RNC in Charlotte on Apple Podcasts and PR One, or head to wfae.org slash insidepolitics. And if you like the episode, make sure to give it a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, I'm Lisa Worf. Catch you real soon on the Inside Politics podcast. 
the RNC in Charlotte.